genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one brooding-filled minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're going to be talking about Minute 159, which starts with Sam finishing his line from yesterday, they burst in stars of blue and green, and ends with Aragorn looking at Boromir after he's just mentioned that it's been a long time since he's seen any hope. Yeah. I don't think... Because brooding implies that it's um, indulgent, like it's it's like surface, like I'm gonna be like like Aragorn earlier <laughs> when he's like sitting in the room with the sword that is his birthright and he just yeah. doesn't want anything to I mean, do with it. Yeah, that's that's very indulgent in your pain. Yes, that's like, oh, my man pain. See, but to me, so to me that crosses a line from like indulgent brooding into like petty narcissism. <laughs> it's artful. Like. It's art. You know what I mean, Dude, though? okay, he was living with the elves. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> but it, but like it's a different form than like the the elven like Thranduil Legolas kind of narcissism. Oh, because it's very petty. <laughs> it's very. Petty. I don't think it's petty. It's I mean indulgent. Like that's that's what brooding means to me. Like there's a line. Yeah. There's a line where it's just like brooding an amount of indulgence that is reasonable because like you have to kind of indulge in your pain to deal with your pain. Yeah, like I'm going to feel sorry for myself right. for like, like this moment. But Aragorn has been feeling sorry for himself for, <laughs> for like, like 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> you crossed the line, man. Like you've, you've gone beyond <laughs> indulgence and now you're just being, it's narcissism. It's just. <laughs> I, um, I've known a couple narcissists in my life. Uh, Aragorn is not a narcissist. I, I, that one thing, <laughs> that one, like, brooding so intensely over his his legacy i'll write it off i'll write it off because he has been raised by elrond and elrond has been stuck to that right on that but moment like, and i say narcissism because in part i get the impression that aragorn feels like that is his space i don't know one so. else's that's I, why he looks at boromir and he's just like the hell is this guy doing here <laughs> this is my room do you remember when when borders existed? Did you ever like go? It was like the cool thing to go find. I had a borders membership. I'm still bitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's. I sucks. bought enough stuff at borders. I got the membership, <laughs> and about a year and a half later, they were closed. <laughs> Alanis Morissette starts playing. Um. Isn't it ironic? But... <laughs> what was I talking? Oh, it was like the cool thing in high school to like find the back corner of the borders, which was usually like the philosophy and religion section, and you just like sit there until you got kicked out for loitering. So like, I mean, they had chairs everywhere, just like Barnes and Noble. It's just chairs. No, everywhere. I know, but like we 
on purpose we would like find a book and then like sit in the back corner and until like one of the employees kicked us out i used to sit in the manga section and just read which like oh and we got better about it because then we would like know who the employee was and when their rotation was so we would like always be one step we were terrible teenagers but i would no i would just like sit in borders and just like consume comic books and issues of manga oh god Every, they hated that I, just, I did i always bought something so i had a membership they hated that but i would like sit there and read like two trades of a comic and then buy a comic but like so we would go we would go sit in the back corner for some stupid teenage reason and if someone was back there we always got like we were like lost because we were like where are we gonna sit even though there's perfectly usable chairs over by where the coffee shop is but we're like 16 so whatever that's what that's that's what anyway (laughs) story time's over that's what that reminded me of because aragorn is just like hanging out in this museum yeah like he just finds artfully lounged on in that chair reading this book. This is my museum. <laughs> this ancient history room, stay out. Mine. <laughs> this is my study this space. This is my lair. <laughs> this is my lair. Um. Anyway, but my original point was, um, no matter how entertaining it would be to call him Rudimir, um, I think that Boromir is like. It's like legit despair. Well, this is the first time that he's been straight confronted with like his issues at home. Um, and it's like I think it it surpasses like being indulgently upset about something into like despair. And well, yeah, I mean. So, one of the things about this scene, I mean, we can talk a little, we we could talk more about the first half of this minute, but we've already pretty much talked pretty exhaustive, exhaustively about Lothlorien. Yeah. And, like, the set design and everything. Well, I like, um, I like Sam's poem. I've yeah. always liked Sam's poem. Me too. And it's then he's so innocent like, and pure. He's like, at, he's, he, he's, he gets some wind and then towards the end he's like, oh no, that doesn't do them justice. Does he say boyo? He says, that doesn't do it justice by, a, that doesn't do them justice by a long road. Oh. That's the phrase he uses, by a long road. It sounds like he's saying boyo. Like he's well, calling he's, himself he's boyo. He's muttering. <laughs> he's muttering to himself. I think in the book it says by a wide road. We were looking at it yesterday. By a wide road. I've never heard that before in my life. By a wide road. I just think it's an interesting way of like phrasing like by a mile. What is he, like a semi-truck? By a wide road. <laughs> I, don't, I really, I do, I just think that like the phrase like by a long road is an interesting way of saying like that missed it by a mile. Yeah. Oh no, it does say by a long road. It does. Oh, in the book. It yeah. does say by a long road in the book. Yep. I think it's an interesting phrase. I like that phrase, actually. Mm. I think it's kind of... It adds to, to Sam's hokey folkiness. Hokey folkiness? Yes. Because he's I supposed to be a... hokey? He's supposed to be a... It's a little hokey. Sam's a little hokey. He's all optimism and naivete. I don't think that's... Okay. Hokey, like... It's not, like, cheap. Or, like, over the top. 
I just think of hokey as being like a substitute for the word cheesy. Oh. Huh. Now I'm questioning, like, uh, I hate it when I question everything in my entire life up to this point. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought hokey was like a substitute for the word cheesy, that they meant very similar things. We're going to learn today. Oh, mawkishly sentimental, noticeably contrived. So it's both. It is both. Oh, my God. It's both che- cheesy and fake, like cheese whiz. Ugh. Obviously fake, very silly, old-fashioned, or sentimental. What? Wow. Cool. Sam is a bit hokey-fokey. I've only ever heard that used the fake way, not the overly cheesy way. Hmm. The more you know. The more you know. So one of the things I think really interesting about all this, this stuff with Boromir that starts in this minute is and i think it they really succeeded is they wanted to give you the sense with the way the bormir's talking here that this is the first time he's been like confronted with the idea that there's something wrong with his father and i think that sean bean's performance does a really good job relaying that like it's something that maybe he'd thought about before but galadriel just threw it in his face yeah and like i think and that's the heart of like this breakdown is him kind of having a sense that there's something wrong with his father. Because that's the first thing he communicates really to Aragorn. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, she, and she pointedly says, like in the previous minute, she says, love is mingled with grief, and then, like, looks at him. Yeah. And he starts crying. And it's kind of like... Again, we keep talking about how Galadriel is super rude, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's literally a rude awakening. <laughs> it is very literally a rude awakening. It kind of reminds me of, um, uh, a few years back, we found out that my grandfather had dementia and that, like, people reacted in very different ways and it's always like super unsettling i think when you when you like what like when you were saying like he had maybe considered the idea that something was wrong with his father or like something was not quite right um or out of place but then it's another thing entirely to like be confronted with the facts and not just like an idle thought that you could just be like, oh, well, I'm just being stupid, yeah. you know? Right. Because, I mean, and I I don't ever feel bad about like mentioning Denethor here because it's going to be so long before we talk about him mm-hmm. as like a central character. Well, I mean, he talks about his father and Gondor. Yeah. And relevant. Because the, the crux of like Denethor's fall has to do with not only like an interaction with Sauron through like a Pilantir, but also like the fact that he pushes one son away and keeps one son close because that other son probably reminds him of his wife who is dead. <laughs> Do not. Because like that's definitely part of like Denethor's whole thing and why he pushes Faramir away. That's the way I've always read the push of Faramir. Because Boromir is much like Denethor. And I think he sees Faramir much more like his 
his his wife passed what his his wife who's passed away so he pushes Faramir away I am looking it up in the book right now um but did did Faramir like did did Denethor's wife die in childbirth you know I'm not sure um cuz I know that she died when when Faramir was very young um though I'm not sure I will keep looking while you yeah. talk about stuff. <laughs> so, like, basically, Boromir's whole life, he's dealt with some amount of grief. Like, his entire life. Yeah. Because his father's never given up on it. His father has right. never come out of his grief. Like, his father, um, like, that's what fuels him. Yes. it It's grief and the, like, insecurity that he can't really lead Gondor is like Denethor's whole deal. Mm. Like he cannot keep his people safe, let alone the son he, he cares about and the son he pushes away. But he trusts Boromir with so much and puts so much on Boromir that like this moment when it's just thrown directly in his face, like, you know that your father shouldn't be this way is like thrown in his face by Galadriel here. He, he breaks down because it's the first time, especially since he's basically royalty that anyone has ever been like, Dude, there's something wrong with Denethor. Yeah. Because no one's going to question the king. Stuart. He's essentially the king. Yes. There I hasn't know. been a king in Gondor for like two millennia. Yeah. So she doesn't She doesn't die in childbirth. She dies when Faramir is five. So it's very young. Yeah. And it says um, Findulius? Findulas? I don't know how to say her name. It says she dies young. Like that's her, that's her yeah. thing. I've never really thought about Faramir being more like his mother, but that just makes it all like so much worse for me. <laughs> yeah. But like, that makes sense. Like that's, that's a very like realistic kind of motivation as to like why someone would push away someone like that. Right. And it, it makes the whole like relationship between the three of them make a lot more sense when you see it like on screen or just like read what it, there is of it in the book, mm -hmm. you know? Cause I, I find the whole Baramir, the, the Boromir, Faramir, Denethor, relationship to be one of the more interesting in the whole story yeah um, i don't know sean bean's performance in the end of the second half of this minute and pretty much the entirety of next minute has always been like so convincing and hard-hitting and felt very real to me yeah and he did well he he like whenever he's on screen he just like chews through the scenery yeah and like he's so charismatic but also like very real yeah it's it's so sad that so much of this boromir stuff gets cut out of the theatrical yeah but i completely understand because they don't want to muddle the theatrical version of the movie with like the gray area they built in boromir when they were filming this yeah which is a shame because i really think that this story um that is full of like black and white extremes needs that gray area to kind of um, temper it a little bit. Yeah. Well, cause it helps show you like how dark the black is and how bright the white is. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I tend to gravitate towards characters that are like in that morally gray yeah. section anyway, because it's just more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and which is not to say that like, the other characters aren't interesting, but there is, 
like the the whole the whole thing about like a like a fairy tale is that it's or like an epic it's like kind of predictable um but comfortably so and it's it's um it's good for like you know teaching lessons to like small children or whatever yeah. who need that distinction between like you know this is good and this is bad but like Boromir to me feels a little out of place which I think is why he's so interesting to me because he brings that more mature like this is a good person who sometimes does bad things yeah and like Boromir's whole existence in the story despite kind of feeling out of place against everybody else who's so like everyone else in the fellowship is painted and so obviously like these are the good guys kind of light right but Boromir is necessary in a way Aragorn's also necessary but he's necessary in a way that Aragorn is not because Boromir exists to show us as it happens, the corruptibility of man. Right. To convince us in the first leg of this journey that the power of the ring is a threat to everybody around it. Right. But because of that, like, Tolkien created what is, like, the most layered character of the first arc of his story. Mm -hmm. Because there's just so much more to Boromir than what we get with, like, Legolas or Gimli, as far as, like, what we see in this story. Yeah. And the only other character, like, in the text that I think is as complex as Boromir is Aragorn. I think, um... And then Gollum. Yes, Gollum. Um, I think, uh, Gandalf in the text is also, um, complex, like, when he comes back. Yes, we, though there's, because there's a lot of questions about, like, is this a new guy? Is right, this a different? Yeah. Is this the same person that left? Um, and I think A lot as, of metaphysical questions. I think as... Frodo and Sam get more of a chance to, like, branch out from the Fellowship, like, in Two Towers and Return of the King, yeah. when they're traveling with Gollum. I think they, once the Fellowship splits, a lot of the characters get a lot more fleshed out. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, when I say complex, I don't mean, like, um, I don't mean that as, like, an insult to other characters, because no, I, no, really, no. I don't really mean, like, complex as in, like, fleshed out i mean complex in that like for aragorn or frodo or sam or pippin or mary or gimli or legolas we have a pretty concrete idea of what their motivations are mm. boromir is the only one with muddled motivations oh okay that's what i kind of mean by complex because boromir is the only one who really has a split motivation i think aragorn does too but that's only because Aragorn is unwilling to accept what ultimately he Movie should. Movie Aragorn, not book Aragorn. Yeah. And that's only because Aragorn is ultimately, like, unable to accept what is his, like, what is his purpose. Yeah. His motivation. You were say duty. His duty. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say duty. <laughs> like, Aragorn is unwilling to accept what it is he's supposed to do, but regardless of how you look at that his unwillingness to accept it comes from the same kind of core motivation as why he does accept it in the end and that's because aragorn believes in doing the right thing and at first he doesn't believe that by stepping into those shoes he is doing the right thing and he learns to believe in himself and that 
claiming his mantle of kingship is the right thing to do. Yeah. So ultimately, like Aragorn's motivation doesn't change. It's how he views himself with his core character motivation that leads to his character arc. Yeah. Whereas like Boromir is caught between doing what he believes is right and helping the fellowship with their purpose and serving his father and his city. Yeah. So like he's the only one with a conflicting motivation because those two motivations want different things. Right. Because in his mind, helping the city would be to use the weapon that this small creature is carrying. Yes. Instead of delivering it to Sauron. Yeah. I think it's... I... I really... Yeah, I really do think that this is like Boromir at his lowest point. Um, even accounting for trying to steal the ring. Yeah. Because, like... That is not... That's not him and his most vulnerable. Right. And this is. I guess, well, I guess, I guess that's what I meant instead of low point. But because the Boromir that acts and tries to get the ring from Frodo is also under the influence of the ring. Yeah. But this, this Boromir is very vulnerable, like you said, and very, um, like this is, this is him at his, his core, I think. Yeah. Um, and like this is the first in the movie, really, despite it being so far into the movie, that we see who Boromir is. Because there's like all of this, not not necessarily bravado, but like he he has like a like a an exterior to him that is very um calm and um well stoic kingly, I guess. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he's been raised to to do this like to put up this front that like you know he's in control he knows exactly what's going on he's well, yeah. got everything figured out yeah bec- him and aragorn both have been raised to be leaders yeah and they both like take on that role in, in, in different somewhat ways. different ways yeah. and i know we've talked about boromir being a foil for aragorn before but i think it's really stark here uh because like earlier uh, when Frodo was kind of in his own head about um, bringing the ring to Lothlorien and like him being the reason that Gandalf is gone, like Boromir is the one to comfort him. And now, um, and Aragorn, like Aragorn was the practical one. So like, he was like, we gotta, you know, like we gotta yeah. get everyone out of here. We're going to die if we don't move right now. Yeah. But now it's Boromir's turn to kind of be, um, like to feel, like to feel things, I guess, instead of like pushing them away to deal with later. And now it's like Aragorn's turn to be like the comforting. Right. Uh, and we'll, uh, tomorrow we'll talk about whether or not, uh, I'll talk about whether or not I think Aragorn is effectively comforting. Boromir. I think it's interesting how taken aback he is um, when Boromir says that um, he won't find peace here. Yeah, because, because like, this is a peaceful place for Aragorn. Right, Aragorn feels at home. Like, he... Like, yeah, stuff, crazy, heavy stuff just happened, but this is a good place. Right, because, you know, Lothlorien is supposed to be the on-Middle-Earth equivalent of the... Valar Spa back in Valinor. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And I think it's, it just kind of brings into contrast these two different characters who are very similar, but they were like enough of them is, uh, is different. Yeah. To like contrast, I guess. I like the relationship between Frodo and Aragorn and Frodo and Boromir too, because of everyone that is a part of the fellowship, only Aragorn and Boromir really have an understanding of like having a burden placed on you like this. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that like Aragorn takes that and he's very protective of Frodo Mm -hmm. and Boromir when he's not being influenced of the ring isn't like overly protective, but he tries to be like a hand of comfort. He tries to relate to Frodo. Yeah. He goes out of his way to try to relate. And I think, because I talked about this before, and that's I think that's very much the way that like Boromir must be a leader on the battlefield yeah. and just how he is. He's a friend to his men. He treats them as equals. He's not above them. And Aragorn does the same thing, but I think like Aragorn is more um like pragmatic. Yes. I, I think he is too. And that, that some of that probably comes from being raised by elves. Yeah. Because elves look at things in such like long term like a such a long-term plan kind of thought process like in the short term this doesn't matter it matters what happens a year from now 10 years from now 50 years from now the consequences of the consequence tomorrow doesn't matter if the consequence next month is what we wanted right for the greater good (laughs) like i i think that there's some amount of that in aragorn and that's why when it comes down to business he it's like he flips a switch because aragorn is definitely like a fun-loving good-hearted person but whenever it's business time like there is no joy on aragorn's face yeah there's no time for fooling around stuff's got to get done and it's got to get done right and it's got to get done quickly yeah um i have some issues with aragorn and boromir's relationship that i'm going to try not to talk about until we get to boromir's death okay because it has to do with like how Aragorn sees and treats Boromir. Okay. So I have some things I want to talk about with that down the line. But I think it's hilarious that Aragorn punches Gimli for snoring. Yeah. I still don't think he's even... (laughs) The perspective of the shot to me just looks like he's not even remotely close enough to actually hit him. So, like, he just punches his pillow or something? Or, like, the ground in front of him. But it sounds like... It sounds like he slapped him. It sounds like he shoves him, but but I don't think he's. But even then, close. then like later, like Gimli is passed out. Let the guy sleep. <laughs> yeah. You can make fun of him for snoring, but right. like just let him sleep. Everyone else is like having trouble getting to sleep, and Gimli is just out. Yeah, and then it's funny because there's that, and then he's juxtaposed. Like, ah, the beautiful elf lady will take care of me. Juxtaposed with what he says to Boromir, like get some rest. Like you just punched Gimli for sleeping. <laughs> because he was snoring during sam's poem hypocrite hypocrite (laughs) what a hypocrite so we yeah you're right though i really like the the look on aragorn's face when he's just like when boromir says i will find no rest here Mm -hmm. aragorn just looks so shocked because we're supposed to feel like lothlorien is a spiritual retreat like the trees are supposed to remind us of like columns in a cathedral right like a vaulted ceiling and it's and the light, which is apparently a lavender filter, but it's very subtle. Mm. And I don't know, like they're like everything about this should be 
peaceful. Um, but it's because Galadriel was rude and slapped I him in the know. face with his own pain. Your dad's losing it, smack. Your dad's losing it. Everyone you know is going to die unless you stay strong, oh. you dimwit. I I think it's like she she brings this up in his brain and then she says despite all of this there's still hope and i think it's kind of cruel it is cruel to to kind of show this like your father like being corrupted by who knows what at this point? Because Galadriel obviously doesn't really know. She just like knows that there's something wrong with Denethor. Yeah. Because she can, you know, flip through Boromir's mind and right. be like, hey, dads aren't supposed to be like this. <laughs> this doesn't really track. You should deal with this. Um, but not on your terms. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're going to deal with it on my terms because screw you. And to say, like, to show, oh my God, like, I can't even imagine, like, Having to deal with the the realization that your father is not all there anymore and he's being a dick and he, like, you know, parents aren't supposed to act like this. And then saying, despite all of this, there's still, and like, you know, the actual, like, literal army of looming evil darkness, like, trying to knock down your front door every single day. It'll be fine. There's still hope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what that hope is, but there's still hope. Right. And Boromir, and I think this is really important, Boromir can't, it isn't self-aware or isn't able to look past his own flaws enough to realize that the ring is corrupting him. He's human. Right. But I, I think that's very central to like what he says here when he says, it's been a long time since... I don't see any hope. There's been a long time since we've seen any hope. Yeah. Because he can't see past his own flaws because his own insecurities cloud his judgment in that 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 realm. That he can't see that the hope is to just continue to devote himself to this quest, to do what needs to be done to get the ring destroyed. Right. And I think ultimately that's the point Galadriel is trying to make to him. But because Boromir is a flawed man who cares very deeply about Gondor first but understands that he needs to, like, do what is right, he can't see past the conflict to see what he has to do. Right. And, like, that just, like... Which, which just continues to show us, like, how corruptible Boromir is. Like, right. Like, this fog over him. And not only, like, how... It's not just Boromir, though, because Frodo is experiencing the same thing. We just don't... It just happens slower to hobbits. But... I don't think it happens slower. It just happens in a different way. And Frodo is not as vocal about it. Um, mm. And like, you can't have it happen all at once because Frodo's journey spans three movies. Right. So. Whereas Boromir spans one. Right. So it's, it's just, it just kind of underlines further for me, the, the influence of the ring and how it manifests in these different characters and yeah because for boromir it it just plays on his anxiety and his insecurity right like whereas for frodo it doesn't it's not really playing on like anxiety or insecurity it's playing on his homesickness his want to be rid of it right 
And I think a little bit about, I think a little, I think it is a little bit of anxiety too, because he's like paranoid that everyone hates him. And Yeah. I think that's something I think the ring does to everyone if it's in their possession. It makes you think that people are out to get you. I don't know, maybe I'm just like not getting, getting, thinking of the right words when I'm thinking about what I, what it plays on for Frodo specifically, because it definitely plays on his homesickness because the ring is trying to get him to hand it to whoever the hell will take it. Right. But it's also trying to make him think he's alone. Right. It's um, isolating. Because it's pushing him to try to abandon it to someone that will get it closer to Sauron. Right. That's what I, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, I, I feel like the ring pushes on Frodo more. Because it's trying to get Frodo to let it go. Because having been in Gollum's possession for so long, and then in Bilbo's for so long, not as long as Gollum, the ring knows that hobbits are really resilient to the other kinds of ways it tries to corrupt people. So it's pushing on him really hard, like, just give up, just give up, you're alone, everyone hates you, you should just stop. Everyone hates you because of me, you should drop me. Yeah, and then it's pushing on Boromir, like, take this, take this, take this. Exactly. That's what I think is going on. That's like... That's the power play the ring is trying to make with Frodo and Boromir. Yeah. That's why every time Frodo meets someone powerful, he's like, here. Right. Take this. I don't want this. This is this has brought nothing but awful things. And then once Frodo goes off on his own, the ring is just like, well, I guess I'm stuck with you. I'm going to make your life hell. Yeah. <laughs> hey, remember Gollum? Yeah. <laughs> so that's really, that's where I think, that that's where I think the ring's like power like I, the ring's plan in this movie is that I think yeah. it's just trying to get Frodo to abandon it so that someone else that's more corruptible will pick it up. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf tells us at the very beginning of this movie that a more powerful person will be more corruptible by the ring. Right. That's so, why. Yeah. That's why the ring is always trying to get him to hand it to someone powerful. Right. It's like, give it to Gandalf. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, He's too smart for this. Give g- it to Galadriel. Give it to Elrond. Uh, well, give it to this guy. He's he's a cool guy. He's he's Gondor's guy. Uh, give it to give it to Galadriel. Yeah. Uh, the ring is trying to sell itself. We always talk so much about Boromir. That's true. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of there's a there's a lot of meat. Oh, uh, one one more thing that I wanted to talk about. I know this episode's running long. Um. I really like the uh, embroidery work on Boromir's sleeves. Yeah, you get a nice, you get a good look at it here. Yeah. Uh, Despite how plain Boromir's outfit kind of looks at a distance, there's so much detail. Right. Well, that's like Aragorn's um, uh, Rivendell outfit, too, with his embroidered sleeves and everything. That you can kind of barely see, except in close-ups. That's how you know it's good quality. Right. It's not flashy, but it's very well made. Yes. Indeed. True royalty. I love talking about Boromir. We'll talk about more Boromir and Aragorn tomorrow. Yes. So if you enjoy what you're hearing, you should follow us on Facebook. We have a listener group. And you should also leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And we love to hear from you guys. Yeah. We just got a really nice email from a listener. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much, Ashley. Yeah. Um, so leave us an iTunes review. Send us an email if you're so inclined. Um, join our listener group, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The listener group's a pretty cool place. There's like been a hearing, lot of memes lately. We like hearing from you guys. We really do. It, it, it makes this worth it. Yeah. It validates 
my exist no <laughs> not my existence but it's it's very nice so thank you and uh, as always a special thanks to our patreon associate producers leaper 182 and ed foster and we'll see you all tomorrow bye bye